Hello, and welcome to Unsheathed with your hosts, Kyle Gold and Cam Hirosaki. We hope that you enjoy the program. Please stick around afterwards. There'll be cake and blowjobs. Hi, welcome to Unsheathed number 70. I'm your co-host, Mountain Bunker Fox Kyle Gold. And I am other co-host, uh, not-so-cold otter Cam Hirosaki. Welcoming you officially to the now geriatric <laughs> Unsheathed podcast. I know, we qualify for Social Security now, I think, or something. You know, it was, Oh, yeah. wait, they raised the retirement age again. Again? Just now. Well, considering that we're recording, I guess we're not retired. That's true. But no, like, it was about, like, two days ago, I was listening to, uh, actually, I was listening to our interview with uh, Unfurled. Oh, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking about how we were recording episode 70 coming up, and I'm like, wow. <laughs> I, it blows my mind that we've now done 70 of these. I know, or will have done in an yeah, hour or so, yeah. Not including the presents, which we have also done. Yes. It was all very cool. Um, you guys should go check out the Unfurled interview, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's some six months old, but it's still relevant. Yes. I went back and listened to it to make sure. Hirosaki still has not finished Summerhill? No. <laughs> I, I, I mentioned this on my FA journal, but I said, it's funny because you listen to it, and I'm talking about I, my goal is to finish writing Summerhill by the end of the summer. And that's still true for completely different reasons. <laughs> just another year's rolled around just, on the just calendar. A, just a different summer. Yeah, that's fine. I, I also did an interview with um, Red Furrows while I was at Further Confusion. There was okay. an audio podcast thing that I think he's going to try to assemble, and... Uh, I'll post something when that's up. Okay. Um, speaking of which, Further Confusion is now firmly in our rearview mirror. Yes. It was a good time. It was I a think great time. I can safely say a good time was mm-hmm. had by all. Um, I was really encouraged um, because, just to start off with, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff we want to talk about, but uh, just the attendance at the the big writing panels, Yeah. Um, the ones that we did on... Novel writing, character journeys, and making editing fun. Uh, we had we had a packed room for yeah, those, and for the, all of them. And the adult furry fiction one you and I did um, was what ten o'clock at night, eight o'clock at night. And, uh, it was eight o'clock, yes. And it was still two thirds full that room. Yeah. Um, and it with was bonus drunk people with bonus drunk straight people. They're so funny. Um, they're so cute when they try to clue in. It's um. But it was funny, too, because I remember attending an adult furry fiction panel, like, years and years and years ago, and I felt like it was just full of people who kind of showed up on the off chance that somebody would, you know, say the word cock, and we got some really good questions about writing adult fiction, and uh, people got kind of personal. Someone asked me about my personal life and relationship with family and friends as regards my adult fiction, and if you want to hear the answer to that, you'll have to come to a future panel. Yeah, I actually I thought we had a good rapport on that, and that we didn't just sound like our podcast. I thought no, we I sounded uh, sufficiently, you know, educatorial or something. Well, our, our podcast is hardly about adult furry fiction anymore these I know. days, <laughs> and we have such a great name. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. But uh, something that occurred to me, uh, I was writing back to a fan about who was writing to thank us for doing the panels that we did, and it occurred to me that you know. Being a, a gray muzzle and having been in the fandom for twenty, wow, twenty years now, um, what the 
the the state of writing in the fandom right now kind of reminds me of the state of artwork in the fandom about 15, 16 years ago. Right. Where there were art shows, there were kind of a few people, mostly they, they were sort of like amateur cartoony kind of people. There wasn't really a lot of what you'd call fine art. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of, hey, I drew this furry cartoon. It's kind of cool. Um, and, you know, people would pay 20, 30, 50 bucks for it. Yeah. My and, uh, my roommate actually has just picked up, I believe it's Rabbit Valley, is collecting the old issues of Yarf. Oh, wow. And so he has like volume one, which is like issues zero through five of Yarf from like 1990. And I was flipping through it and I'm like, yep, there was certainly art back then. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, Tara Smith was the premier artist in the fandom. Yeah. Uh, I remember. Bunch of Lance Rund in there, too. Bunch of Lance Rund, uh, Johnny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I remember the, being at a convention when Michelle Light visited for the first time and said, hey, this is kind of cool and I like it and I can make money here. And But it kind of strikes me that Rain's in sort of that same place where we've got a bunch of people that are writing some decent fiction, but over the last five years we've been getting a lot better. And it just kind of made me excited that – you know, there's a lot of people that are real enthusiastic about it, and yeah. the enthusiasm in writing, hopefully, you know, a lot of them will, we get a lot of the same questions over and over, like, I just, I, I'm not interested in writing my story, and I know there's going to be a lot of people who really want to write something, but aren't, don't have the energy or enthusiasm to follow up on it, and, you know, but there's going to be a few writers out there who are going to really spend the next few years developing their craft and honing their craft and figuring out that you can't just write a first draft and throw it up on FA and have everybody, you know, immediately fall in love with it. That, you know, you do revisions and you do editing and you do critiques and you finish something and then, you know, you see all the flaws in it and then you get better and you write something else and you keep doing it because you have to keep doing it. And, it just got me real excited for the state of writing in the fandom and and what we're what we've got to look forward to in the next five ten years. I yeah, hope. I mean, you and I talk a lot about how oh the state of writing in the fandom is improving and it's getting you know more and more noticeable and taken more and more seriously, but th- that's true. And I think that that was a really apparent fact at further confusion, like. Our live show, like we were down to standing room only. Oh yeah, and I think like the like. The head count we got, somebody said that we had like 70 people in attendance, which is like 2% of the entire con, Yeah, which, you know, that might sound like 2%. Like, no, like that's a lot of people that come to a single event. And we heard from a bunch of people the next day who said, oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't make it. I heard it was great. I, yeah. I wanted to be there, but I couldn't. And I mean, we probably could have, if we had a room half again as big, we probably could have filled that yeah. and we could have used a room twice as big. So, something to keep in mind for next year. But, speaking of that, I would like to um, take this chance to thank the staff at Further Confusion for giving us a chance to do the podcast, for giving us the scheduling to do, uh, between us, something like 12 panels, I think. Yeah, the ones that didn't overlap, something like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, we did did a lot of panels. I, I ended up filling in on, like, four panels that I wasn't supposed to be on. I filled in for Paul Kidd on one of the panels with Black Tegan. And that was fun, actually. That was that was a good time. And then I filled in on the Monday panels because I was around on Monday and a few other people were and they wanted to sit on panels. 
I like doing panels, but in the future, I don't think I'm going to do quite so many for the simple reason that I was so busy doing panels that I only went to one panel that I wasn't personally on. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, like, yeah, like, this is really stressing me out. <laughs> so I'll probably tone it down a little bit, but, you know, I'll still always make time to do the podcast. I mean, oh, of course. I always have to do that. I, I think I only went to one panel that I wasn't personally on, but that was the podcast Nuts and Bolts, which uh, Kit was helping host and did a nice job producing that panel as he does the podcast which basically consisted of him and Jay Ott sitting aside and letting Buck Hopper explain audio mechanics to everyone, which was kind of cool. And uh, B-Hop's awesome. He should uh, he should record that as a lecture and uh, just put it up online somewhere. And I think Kit actually has a recording of it, and we will post it somewhere. Um, in case any of you guys out there are trying to figure out how to do the mechanics of a podcast or how to make your podcast sound better, um, B-Hop really went through all the options from, you know, you're just doing this on a shoestring budget. You can use this and this and it'll sound fine for audio. Um, all the way up to, I want this to be massively well produced and I need to account for the fact that some people are going to have different <clears throat> vocal range and some people are not going to be trained enough to talk into the mic and so on. But that was cool. Um, and our podcast was awesome. Yes. And oh my I, God! I say that as sort of a kudos to everyone who was not us who yeah, <laughs> was involved really. in it. I feel like we were kind of there just to facilitate the awesome. Um, I can't wait to go back and listen to it. I know Kit did an amazing job pulling everything together. Uh, the guests and the technical help and everything were his doing. The guests, uh, well, the technical help, uh, Fratus and Jayot helped us set up. Um, trying to think who else uh tj fault brought us australian coke zero which yes. does not have zero calories as i noted on the show and wine i think we thanked him on the show yes i'm actually drinking one of those wines right now the second of the bottles that uh thanks to him and uh temba cougar uh this is a uh Wollombi. it's a shiraz from uh, hunter valley i'm gonna actually give it a sip for the first time here and while he's doing that, I will note that DJ brought up more books for me. He brought up some books for the live show when he came up with Spike. And um, I mentioned on the New Year's show that I had read the first Garth Nix book, um, Mr. Monday, mm -hmm. uh, Keys to Kingdom, I think it's called. I think the series is called. And he went out and found Tuesday and Wednesday in the series and brought them for me to oh, the podcast, wow. which was very cool. Yeah, he also brought me a couple of bottles of wine. Which I thought was very nice. Um, I think it was him and his, uh, his boyfriend, I believe. Uh, and, so what's uh, the verdict on the Shiraz? Uh, it's good. It's very subtle for a Shiraz. Uh, I don't. I don't quite like it as much as the the one I had at at the live show, but this is still definitely good. Um, so yeah, thank you uh, very much for that, TJ. Also, Kit. TJ, you're very cute. By the way, I just <laughs> want to let you know that. Kit, what's your verdict on the Shiraz? Kit says it's very fruity. Which is appropriate for this podcast, I guess. Um, the Australian Coke Zero tasted enough like Coke Zero that I didn't remember that I was drinking Australian Coke Zero until I picked it up again and looked at the bottle. <laughs> it was just like a kangaroo and an Australian flag staring you in the face. <laughs> it was more like everything was in metric. Oh. I was like, wait, how many jewels am I drinking? <laughs> 
It should be zero joules. It should be zero, no but it joules. Ain't. No, it was like 1.8 calories, but I think Coke 1.8 doesn't scan as well, so. Um, so, and uh, special thanks, of course, to our guest, Dick Powers. Power? Dick Power Dick or Powers? Power. It, was, it was Power. Dick Power. Yeah. Um, who not only entertained all of us, but enlightened all of us. Um, did a great job calling some people on things I'm sure they weren't expecting to be called on. Mm. <laughs> um, and, uh, and really illuminated a lot of aspects of storytelling in quick and comprehensible fashion. Uh, his whole thing on status exchanges was yeah. great, and it's something we forget to mention a lot I can't of believe we hadn't met, brought that up. Yeah, I know. Like, we must have brought it up in passing at least once. I'm sure, I'm sure we've mentioned it at least once. I can't once, believe but, we hadn't. But he really focused on it, which was great. Yeah. And we demonstrated it quite well. Oh, yeah. For much of the actual podcast. <laughs> it's a learning We make learning fun. I, I loved how our little, uh, I see what you did there cards became little status tokens. Oh, of course. Although I couldn't remember if they were signals of status being given or taken away. Like, if you give someone that, like, huh, I see what you did there, does that mean, like, you're acknowledging, like, you're asserting your better status over them because you're like, huh. Or does I, accumulating more tokens mean that you are accumulating higher status? Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. It's a good question. Um, and uh, lastly, I don't remember if I mentioned this at the live show, but I spent a good deal of Friday sitting at the sofa wolf table um, writing things in gold pen in people's books, which was very gratifying. And thank you all to everyone who came by and bought a book or bought many books uh, or just came by and talked to me. There were a couple of those, too, who they'd pre-ordered their books and just wanted to come by and chat. Um, there were, as usual, a couple people who came by with all the books, uh, although I only I only signed one copy of Bridges, I think, this con. Oh, really? Yeah, it was new for FurCon, but I guess everybody's gotten it. Um, yeah, because this is the last con on the circuit it hadn't been to. Yeah, it debuted at Furry Fiesta last year. So, uh, thank you thank you guys for that. I certainly was not bored at any point behind the, the Sofa Wolf table. And I got to hear some great stories from uh, some people about what the books have meant to them and what how much they're looking forward to. And This three-ray really speaks to me. <laughs> this what? This three-ray. <laughs> Three-way. Three, three, I thought you said three-row at first. No, it's because I can't talk. <laughs> it's my, my, my fumbly little otter muzzle can't make words. Aw. But speaking of Furry Fiesta... Yes. I believe our plans are set now. Yes, I am 100% confirmed for yes. We are going to be at Furry Fiesta. We are going to be doing a podcast there. Uh, Kid has the details. We'll let you guys know. Really, don't worry. This is really only relevant if you're going to be at Furry Fiesta. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I think a, a good portion of our listeners will be, so... Yeah. Um, we get to turn out a Furry Fiesta, too. Yeah. They like their podcasts, though. Yeah. I remember. I hope we're not in the lecture hall again, though. <laughs> yeah, I know. The lecture well, hall, I think, was a bit intimidating. People were afraid to talk because they felt like they were in class. Yeah. Um, I'm anxious to see how the new layout turns out because they've got more spaces here. they got, like, the adjacent ballroom to be the dealer's room. Oh, and, okay. Um, they were talking about all kinds of great stuff they were going to be doing. So, plus, you know, it's the Disco Inferno, so we can yeah. break out the leisure suits. Oh, yes, we can. Or go to Goodwill and buy one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then return it. <laughs> and, then, and then return it. Um, 
But uh, isn't that even more goodwill because they can just sell it again? Yeah, unless you, just you donate like, it back. Yeah, I was gonna say unless you just like <laughs> just get your money back. <laughs> Sorry, goodwill. I need it more than you. Well, I'm, I mean, uh, the prices are low enough that I don't think it would be outrageous to consider it a rental, and then you just donate it again and say, "Here, sell it again to someone else." But uh, yeah, we'll be down there at Furry Fiesta. I'll be signing books at or around the Fur Planet table somewhere. I don't have any new releases for Furry Fiesta, but they'll have all the... They'll have Isolation Play. I believe they'll have a few hardcovers. They will have soft covers for sure. And uh, I will have my gold pen. Yeah, I probably won't do any book signings since I don't have any books of my own anyway. But if you find me, I will sign something for you. You're in X and a couple issues of Heat, I think. I am in X. Well, I'm in I'm in one issue of Heat that's been released. I'm going to be in issue nine, but that's not out yet. And I am uh, nine or eight. Nine. Eight's already out. Is it? I thought seven was the last one that was or, out. Shoot. Yes. Eight. I think eight's the one that's coming eight's out. The one that's coming out. Yeah. Sorry. With you and me and foosball in it. Yes. Eight. All right. I can't count. <laughs> the webbing between my fingers <laughs> blurs the the digits. Really, you're, make, you're making being an otter out to be a lot less useful than normal. Curse my thick, unswishable tail and my fingers that are stuck together. <laughs> what the fuck is up with these ears? See me, it's just my ears keep flicking against the top of the door frames. And yeah. Tail keeps getting shut yeah, in doors and stuff. Nobody notices my ears. No one wants to play with an otter. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about if you uh, start us off by reading a letter? All right. I De- think. Dear yeah. Unsheathed, my resolutions for 2011 are attend three furry conventions, star in some plays at the acting company, and either send in an email or be at the 100th episode of Unsheathed. From Fraudis. Well, Fraudis, you're a third of the way there on your uh, first one. Yeah. And... Hey, if you don't make all of those resolutions, if nothing else, we made you eat grasshoppers. Yeah, which was pretty cool. I think I tweeted a photo of that. That's cool. Foxes eat bugs anyway. Oh, yeah. Like all the time. i got to find a restaurant With around nachos. here that serves earthworms. Um, and mice. <laughs> kids, <laughs> kids like, <laughs> not going to happen. Wolves eat mice, too. <laughs> he says mice are okay, just no earthworms. Yeah, he, he likes the crunch. Um, I think I think Fratus should also start up Fratus Cast. <laughs> he was very amused by that. Oh, yeah. Flane was talking about how he was going to start up Anthro Podcast or something, or how he no, how he regretted not mm-hmm. continuing Anthro Podcast. And Fratus said he was going to take it over, so we called it Fratus Cast. He thought that was funny. Um, we met another another uh, fan who was an actor, uh, Nava. Oh, right, a right, German right. Shepherd from Utah. Yes. Who wants to get into acting? So good luck U- to both of you guys. A lot of Utah furs at the con. Yeah, I know. Yeah, they're, they're they're a growing posse. Yeah, and I mean, like California's close by, and it's an excuse to leave Utah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there you go. I've, I've I've kind of been asking them for like the past year, like, um, are you going to start up a Utah con? And. They seem like they might want to do it, but I think they're kind of worried about I bet the, getting people to come into Utah. Yeah, I bet the permits are a nightmare, too. Although you'd think for, you know, big gatherings of people. Yeah, but where are you going to get the booze from? Yeah, good point. No booze does not a furcon make. Or 
No, that statement doesn't make any sense. <laughs> well, good luck, Frodis. Let us know how your resolutions go. Um, we don't have plans yet for the 100th episode of Unsheathed. I think that it feels like that's going to fall sometime around the end of summer. Um, Kit and I might be out at Feral this year. We're kind of hoping to make it out there. But um, we'll see. We'll have to see how it goes. Maybe I can do my end of summer. Oh my god, I actually finished a draft of Summerhill that's worth something spectacular. That'd be awesome. Alright. Hello. I just wanted to put my vote in for a Scott Pilgrim style bumper. Also, maybe something in a 60s psychedelic rock style, a la The Doors. <laughs> Keep up the great work on the podcast. The live show was especially entertaining and informative. I wonder if that was our sports live show. Looking forward to hearing it again. Husky Dog. Um, our sports live show was, I'm, I'm got my fingers crossed because at least one of my Super Bowl picks made it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, uh, my, my pick for those of you who don't remember back in October, my picks were Pat's Giants. And if you don't follow football, that turned out to be very, very wrong. And, one of uh, your teams didn't even make the playoffs. I know. And, um, I have to say that the live show this is going to be going up by the time you hear this you'll have heard the live show i'm sure where i brag uh, a little bit tiny bit i brag about the patriots beating the jets which something i think about like 12 hours after we recorded the live podcast that game was over the dust had settled and football is a stupid sport anyway <laughs> well i'm um I've kind of backed myself into a corner. I did say that the Steelers would win, but I would not want them to. Um, that's still kind of true, but I don't really want Green Bay to win either. So I think I'm going to end up rooting for the Steelers for the sole reason that then I would at least be right about who won the Super Bowl. Um, not because I would derive any enjoyment from seeing them win their seventh or whatever. Just to add to the uh, the podcasting dynamic, I will say that I'm personally rooting for Green Bay since I have nothing against them, but I hate the Steelers. So given, given the choice between team I don't really care about and team I actively dislike, it's kind of a no-brainer for me. Although I have to say, congratulations, Steelers, for crushing the Jets like they deserve to be crushed. Except for the whole, like, almost letting them back in the game at the last minute. Thing. Yeah, which, I mean... Actually, both of the championship games were kind of like that. Like, yeah. why, why, why is this suddenly close at the end? We're, yeah, because we, we were we were all thinking, yeah. all right, you know, middle of the third quarter, twenty four to three or whatever, yeah. we can just go do our podcast and we don't have to watch the rest of the game. And then the Jets scored a touchdown, and then the Jets scored a safety, and then they scored yeah. another touchdown, and the Steelers are just kind of like, do do do. If we just kind of wait them out, then the game will be over. And you know, it turned out they were right. But yeah, well, I actually have to say, like. I actually think that both of today's games are actually kind of boring to watch. Like they yeah, weren't, they weren't terribly exciting. exciting. Happened. Yeah, we had no, we had like a couple of real good um, talents out there, and my yeah. none of them really did. And it's anything. like nothing's really happening, and like also like I don't really like any of these four teams. Yeah, I think Kit's rooting for Green Bay too. But all right, Kit, that's fine. You and me, brofist. Should I move on? Yeah, please do. All right. Football's S over. <laughs> Sup, foxes, otters, and the wolves would get them on the air. Or up into the air. Woo! That's I was right just going to say, I don't it. think I've ever been gotten on the air. <laughs> 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 
here's the thing. I recently read this story, like a few moments ago, as of writing the as of the writing of this letter, which was several months ago because we're kind of behind. I won't name names, or post links, but suffice it to say that the story is terrible, just downright terrible. I was morbidly curious about the story because I thought that the misspelled title was a pun. It was not. <laughs> this should have tipped me off, but I don't know. I kept going and I kept reading. And since it was a story broken up into chapters, I know that I'd be missing something by not reading the other chapters, but I didn't want to. There were so many plot holes that the street needs a complete repaving. This is a bad, bad story. A horrible story. But a story that has a positive comment. Someone saying that it's great as usual or something similar. Now, knowing as you do that I posted a journal stating that we as a fandom should demand better of our writers and that, account- that accountability for good writing starts with us, those who read stories. The, the thing is, one should be able to thoroughly communicate opinions as to how to improve rather than, in the case of this story, the entire thing, as it were. What I'm getting at is that I don't think that I have enough confidence in my critiquing ability to push this author to, at the very least, put the right damn word on his title so he isn't putting something completely different and misleading the story from the get-go. So what I'm getting at is, how do I critique a story? I realize that much as I might like to, I can't get people to stop and take a serious look at their writing based on my comments, but I know that there are some souls out there, souls that know they need to work on their writing but aren't sure what, that are looking for the guiding hand of critique but aren't able to ever get it because the fandom as a whole is either ignorant as to what makes a good story, or doesn't want to hurt feelings and or be called for trolling. And I want to improve furry artwork by telling people where they went wrong. Sincerely, Ernest effing Hemingway, knob slobberer. P.S. Oh, and I'm bi, guys. I knew you were bi. I know, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, I think. But Oh. That's cool. You can, you're can. you welcome to suck dick, Pyro. Yes. You have my, my thumbs Approval. up. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure Candrel might, you know... So this is yeah. Let's so answer this the is question. A real, this is a real. This is a real interesting question. And apart from just the um, really entertaining letter, <laughs> it really is. Great it was great. Um, yeah, he's awesome that way. Um, it's a really interesting question because we get a lot of people emailing us saying, "I can't get good critique on my stories. I can't get anyone to tell me what I'm doing wrong. I can't get anyone to thoughtfully evaluate them." And yet, in a case like this. I can kind of see where he's coming from as far as saying, what do I say? How do I, how do I tell the person, um, start over? Yeah. Um, and I think, I think it all depends on the way you couch it. Well, obviously that kind of like, you know, duh. But I think if you say, you've got to find something positive about it. I mean, and not, it's finally over. Yeah. Don't, that's not possible. I mean, something like, usually, usually what you can find to talk about with a story like that is you had a neat idea. The, yeah. idea, the idea for one of the scenes, for the setup, for the characters, something like that. Yeah, like, it hey, was, this it one had character a lot of had a lot of potential. You know, right. I, you, know, I, you know, I liked what your concept was for this, that sort of thing. Um, But, and then... I, the, the approach that I kind of take is to start at the most basic level. Don't overwhelm them with everything that's wrong. 
Um, yeah, but don't don't cite specifics at the starting gate. Yeah, save that for if they ask for them. I'm thinking. I was thinking more like don't say, well. You need to work on your spelling and your grammar and your punctuation. You need to learn how to separate paragraphs. You need to learn how to make your dialogue more believable. You need to not put character, you know, random. You need to not have the plot drive the characters. You need to have believable characters. You need to have descriptions that aren't boring and don't go on for eight paragraphs at a time. Um, You need to, you know, think about higher level story stuff. No, just start with format the story correctly. Watch your spelling and grammar watch your dialogue and punctuation and you know that's the first thing you got to do and, and I, I've kind of reached a point where I know it's not I know a lot of people kind of say well 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 I know but I can fix that I want to know what I'm doing wrong with the storytelling and I'm just like you know fix it first yeah show me that you know how to fix it and then I'll talk to you about your story and about yeah the, the rest of the stuff, stuff that needs to be done because if you can't write, if you can't spell, and you don't know how to conjugate a verb, yeah. and you don't know how to punctuate... Yeah. String then, sentences and paragraphs together. Or, you know, using the wrong version of it's or your or where, um, then, you know, I really... I, I've read stories where I just I could not get through them because it took too much work on my part to translate what was on the page into something that my brain wanted to understand. Yeah, and if it's going to take a reader too much effort to do that, it's going to take an editor too much to do that if you ever want to submit your work anywhere serious. So, you know, my, my advice is kind of, you have some interesting ideas, but start with this. This is the first thing you need to do. You need to demonstrate that you can do that, and then we can talk about the rest of the stuff. And authors out there, if you get comments from people saying you need to improve your spell and you need to improve your grammar, um, pay attention to it. Don't just say, ah, oh, well, I can do that later. I mean, and there's a difference, too, between someone saying, well, there was one typo in paragraph three that really bothered me. You know, don't worry so much about that. But if people are just like, you know, all throughout, you spell these things wrong, you use these words wrong, you can't punctuate your dialogues all misattributed, yeah. and, um, you know, pay attention to it. Improve that, move on to your next revision, and then ask people, okay, what now? And be prepared to go through about, you know, 10 or 12 iterations of what now, what oh, next, yeah. what next, because... You're building, you know, each skill builds upon the next one up the, the hierarchy. Right. As Dick Power said... Writing is hard. Yes. This is why we do a podcast, telling you how to do it better. Exactly. If it were easy, we'd be out of a job. I'm trying to think of a good blowjob analogy. You don't just, like, put a dick in your mouth and know how to give a good blowjob right away. But I'm trying to think of the skills. Like, first you have to learn to open your mouth. (laughs) Didn't you have something on this recently where... Yeah, I... I don't know how much to say into the microphone. God damn it, I knew you we were going to do this. I was like, he's not going. Oh, God, he is. Oh, he did. Fuck. Long story short, apparently I gave great blowjobs. No, um. See, that's one thing otter muscles are good for. Yeah, well, we can hold our breath long. Um, but, you know, the point is you don't expect to be able to do something well just because... You don't be able to expect to, to give a good blowjob just because you can open your mouth. Right. There's a lot of other stuff that goes into that, so to speak. It's like, you know, <laughs> or the one from from that one. 
It's like, don't belabor this point. I was going to say it's like the the example used in that one extra normal video. It's like, do you know how to use a knife to cut a sandwich? It's like, does that mean that you feel like you're, you know, qualified, qualified to, to be a neurosurgery? Right. Yeah. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, don't don't just write people off if they say, if you get a bunch of people saying, you know, improve your spelling, improve your grammar, because that's the first thing you need to do. Um, then if it gets to the point, then you're going to get to a point where people say, well, I don't believe the characters. And then you need to figure out how to make your characters more realistic and so on and so on. And eventually you'll get to a point where people are like, I don't like your story because it made me sad. <laughs> and then you know you've won. Yeah. So it's your email. It's mine. Yep. <clears throat> hey there, Fluffy and Slippery. Yeah, I'm Fluffy. I just listened to episode 54. I'm calculating in my head that that would be uh, half a year ago. And I'm sorry to hear that the episode got lost. I'm proud to say that my writing has gotten better over the course of the past few months, and I've even submitted something to be considered for Heat Volume 8. It is probably my best work to date, but unfortunately the idea for it came to me at a week before the submission date, so I only had a week to work on it. Anyway, I would like to thank your guest, Lovejoy, for reading my letter on your podcast, and I can only say that I am glad I wasn't talking to anyone while listening to the letter because I was extremely flustered by it. Once again, I would like to extend my thanks to Lovejoy for joining me on my podcast for a fun-filled episode. Now, my question is based on my interactions with Candrel, Candrel, <laughs> who has been helping me to make my stories better. I notice a lot of the things that he talks about when he looks over my story, but I know that if I were to look over one of his stories that I wouldn't be able to point things out like he does. What do you look for when editing a story, whether it's your own or someone else's, other than just simple grammar mistakes? Do you ever make suggestions for the writer for things that would help make the story make sense or flow better? Thanks in advance for either answering my question or at least attempting to do so. Writer in training, Jay Hopkins, a.k.a. Sai the Cheetah. So, I mentioned at one point recently, actually I think it was on the uh, interview I was just listening to, uh, where I mentioned that learning how to read critically is a skill that you need to develop. Yeah. Um, basically what you're saying, you, you know, you're saying here, you know, he looks over your things, point things out and you can see them, but you don't feel like you're able to, you know, do the same thing. That's something that you need to be able to train yourself to do. Um, a good habit to get into is to read stories multiple times so that when you're going over them after the first time, you can sort of divorce yourself from getting caught up in the flow of what's going on and analyze the story on a more objective and impartial level. And, you know, once you get good at that, you'll start to be able to pick that sort of thing out in your first read-through. But again, I mean, it's a skill. It's one that you have to learn. It's one you have to teach yourself. And you just need to sort of know, okay, you know, what makes for a good story? What are, you know, the rules and the you know, the tricks to good storytelling, you know, where does the story not hit the right notes? Where does it drag on too long? Where, you know, are things rushed where they should be expanded upon? And, you know, some people are better at this than others. And, you know, some people, when they do this, will pick out areas that if you give it to another reader, you know, will pick at completely different things. I mean, like I said, you're trying to be objective, but there is going to be some degree of subjectivity to it. Right. It's it's difficult to tell someone, you know, how do you become a critical reader apart from what you've just suggested. I think 
really going over the things that Kendrell points out in your stories. And if you see them in your stories when he points them out, then look for them in other stories. Yeah. Um, look at some of Kendrell's stories. Look at some of the other stories online and try to figure out. Um, maybe this would be the easy way to do it. Ask, kind of ask yourself, how would Candrel make this story better? <laughs> WWKD. You, yeah. I mean, sometimes it helps to put yourself in someone else's shoes because then it's not you. It's not your decision. It's, right. It's you're looking at it and you're kind of saying, oh, I know what Candrel would say about this story. But that's coming from you. I'm just imagining writing and just like stopping and sighing and going, Candrel would be so disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And really, you know, the more you, the more you exercise that ability, the better you get at it. Yeah. It's, um, there's some breakdowns and I think a good subject for a future episode might be, um, I have a, I have a book that I referenced at the writer workshop. Uh, panel at Further Confusion, which we could bring down, and they have kind of a list of things you can look for specifically to go when you're going through a story, like um, do the characters all feel real to you, or do they feel like some of the things that they do don't quite make sense? Um, do the descriptions all give you a complete picture of where they are? Does the dialogue sound true? And you kind of have to read dialogue aloud to yourself first to figure yeah. that out. And uh, there's also pacing, like, are there points in the story where you feel bored and you want to skip ahead? Uh, are there points in the story where you feel like the author skipped ahead and didn't tell you what was going on in between? Yeah. Um, just kind of basic stuff like that. And, you know, like you said, Cam, the read through it first just to get the whole I'm discovering this new story thing out of the way. Um, then stop, kind of assess what you thought about the story, and then go back through it again and try to figure out why you felt that way. Why you really liked this one character. Why you had trouble remembering the name of this other one. Like, you know, the hero's love interest seemed to just be not a real person and you had trouble remembering her name, maybe. Or his name. Or its name. Or its name. Seven? (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Inside jokes. Go ahead. Okay. I think that... Yeah, I think we hit those notes. Okay. Dear K-Name Podcasters, instead of having a question, I'd like to make a PSA to all the writers out there. Writing in the form of a story is considered formal, like writing a memo to your company or a legal document. Unlike an email to a friend or a text message, there are more stringent expectations and rules you have to follow. If you break those rules, you look unprofessional, sloppy, and amateurish. One of those rules is using all caps to emphasize something. All caps works for acronyms or perhaps something like an exit sign. Using it to signify someone is shouting or putting more emphasis on a word in dialogue is incorrect. That's what italics are for, and really you don't even need to use that. The reader will take the info from the sentence without you needing to use a gimmick like the caps lock. This also goes for using more than one exclamation point or an exclamation point and a question mark. They are just improper and informal. It's bad grammar, unnecessary, and an eyesore. Just a side note, that's not technically grammar. <laughs> you would not need to see this. In, you, you, you would not see this in a book coming out of a professional publishing house. 
Well, you might these days because professional publishing houses aren't as strictly yes. controlled as they you used to be. You oughtn't see this coming yes. from a book out of a professional publishing house. Because of the internet and the casualness of language, people think they can get away with this. But it's no different than choosing to not spell check or using LOL in your book instead of using the words laughing. Your book should not read like an email forwarded to you by your dad. Five exclamation points. One. Oh my god, my dad forwards me like the stupidest things. <laughs> Especially things that I don't know why he would think I would want to see them, which is all like, I'm not going to get into it. No, I know. I think everybody has someone like that who's like, hey, check this out. I found it on the internet. Like, I really just want to reply sometimes and go, hey, dad, remember the part where I'm gay? Like, <laughs> seriously, God. Fuck. Maybe Sorry. I want to see Sarah Palin's Rules for America. No, ah, uh, thank, no, th- no. Unless you are intentionally showing an email format. Your powers as a writer, not text gimmicks, to <laughs> use your powers as a writer, not text gimmicks, to get across what is happening. Rachan. Um God, your email made me so mad I could swear. <laughs> <laughs> ah, Rachan. That'd be a good cuss word. Um, so I, I kind of go back and forth on the whole italics issue. I think it's possible to overuse italics, definitely. Yes. But... I also find that there are times when I look at a sentence and I think, you know, a reader could read this in like two or three different ways, and if they don't know where the emphasis is being put on the words, then that could change the meaning. Yeah, and if they read it the wrong way, it totally changes the scene. Right. So, I mean, italics exist because we want to put emphasis on words, and in fact, the little fun fact, the original... Uh, HTML markup language tag for italics was EM for emphasis. Oh, wow. I did not know that. Bold was strong, so it was an S for oh, strong. Oh, I, re- I remember that, yeah. Or, or it might have been the whole word strong. Because S is strike through. Yeah, but I think I don't think EM still works for italics. But that originally the publishing markups were EM and strong and huh, stuff okay. like that. So I think italics are okay in moderation, as with anything. Yeah. Um, you're correct about the exclamation points. You should only see those within dialogue. Yeah. And the interrobang is the not really is used, not used. In, in actual published writing. And yeah, definitely not all caps unless you're doing an acronym. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's other stuff that Or people, if you're August Darleth. <laughs> right. <laughs> this kind of gets, it's kind of related to one of our, to our pet peeve about people using like fur, colloquial furry slang in their furry stories like yeah um i think i talked about this on a recent podcast because i remember saying scritchy mcfluffy tail was feeling all yiffy one day so he scampered on down to scritch his friend at the local furporium or something <laughs> down at the five and dime <laughs> yeah frying up a mess oh catfish <laughs> Where he was enjoying a nice pack of delicious nicotine cigarettes, reading his funny books. Um, so, <laughs> generally, generally, you should um, you should try to write more formally uh, as you would if you were writing like a, a school paper or an essay. Yeah, and not as if you were writing an email to your BFF or your BF. Omer. I wish I was that BF. Don't don't use Omer in your stories either. Yeah. Mer, scritch, yif. None of that. 
I know, I know. Screech is technically invented by Charles Schultz, but still. Yeah, as an onomatopoeia. Right. Not as a verb. So thank you, Rashawn. Nice PSA. We appreciate it. Um, Kit, do we have anything coming up that we need to tell the people about? I think it was we just mentioned Furry Fiesta. Fiesta yeah. that was, that's, I think, the only thing coming up for me. All right. Yeah, WonderCon's way off still, but we will we will what be up they, there again. What did they move that to? It's first weekend of April again. Okay. I'll be up in San Francisco, so if anybody didn't, feels didn't like... WonderCon used to be in February? Um, yeah. Yeah. It's moved around a lot. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if anybody feels like taking a trip to San Francisco first weekend of April, we will be up at WonderCon at some point doing our Furries in a Comic show. Yeah. Which I know the last episode we did that at was 35 because that's the default template when I create MP3s. Oh, there <laughs> it's you go. WonderCon episode 35. So it, wow, was, wow, that was like a. I was gonna say wow, that was like a year ago, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh-huh. it was. <laughs> it was 35 episodes ago. Yeah. Oh, hey, there you go. Yeah. So, no, I, uh, I'm actually. Yeah, I gotta talk to WonderCon and use my super RL street cred to get in for free. So. I shouldn't be shouldn't be too difficult. No. Um I'm kind of a big deal. No, I'm, I'm actually not at all. Don't believe me when I say that. But in the weeks coming up, um yeah, we have a stretch here where we're not doing too much. So we're just going to plow through some letters. Maybe we'll do uh what I'd like to do actually coming up in the next month maybe is another uh we've got like three or four people have sent us in bits of text to edit. Oh. And I'd love to get Foos back on and just hack through one of them one for one episode. Yeah, figure um, out what day we can wake him up at like six in the morning and make him be on our exactly. show. Or, you know, since we won't have football, do something at like one in the afternoon on Sunday, maybe. Uh, that's right. I'm, life is getting back to the, you know, the six months of the year where, you know, Persephone goes back to the underworld and there is no and football. And there's no football, right. So maybe we'll do one of those. Um, maybe we'll do another lightning round episode, but I think we're... I think we're not too far behind on questions right now. So. No, we shouldn't need a lightning rod until at least like the summer. Right. And um, so I think that'll do it for this one. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of a letdown after our live episode. I feel like I want somebody to come on. I think the next 10 episodes is going to feel like that. That bitch. <laughs> <laughs> we're still in like live show afterglow. Yeah, I know. It's just like, ah, oh. these are like the obligatory, like, you know, follow-up orgasms that are never as good as the first big one. Right, right. Sorry, <laughs> like we made like a resolution to make the show like yippier. <laughs> well, write in more questions about like adult writing or something. I don't yeah. Know. We don't have that many of them right now. As um, Fuzz says, happy fapping. Yes. So, write us emails, unsheathedpodcast at gmail.com. We are unsheathed on Fur Affinity. Uh, we are going to be posting sometime in the next couple weeks the challenges that Colson challenged us to do. Yep. Cam uh, and I are both working on them. So I think what we're going to do is just post them on the Unsheathed account and have people vote in the comments as to who they think did which. Okay. Um, either that or, you know, my other idea was just get two people on the show who aren't us to read the various stories and then have people vote. But okay. We'll see how they go. I'm Kyle on Fur Affinity. If you want to check me out there, I'm Kyle Gold on uh, Twitter. That's the thing. <laughs> and LJ. And LJ, right, right. LJ and Twitter, Kyle Gold. You go. 
Yeah, <laughs> I am Cam Hirosaki on all of those. And I've actually been making good on my New Year's resolution to use my uh, journals more often. Yay. So I've actually been like posting updates and information and insights and mysterious time fragments and other things. So yeah. go ahead and check that out on both my, my FA and my LJ. I cross-post everything, so whichever one you want to read, read that. Please do. It's all very interesting. Uh, so thanks for your for your, for your emails. Wow, I'm really just all disconcerted. And your listenership. And you're the one person in the room who hasn't been drinking wine. Yeah, I know. I'm just back to Coke Zero, but I don't know. Kit's flustering me somehow. Um, good night, and... I don't think all you're talking about knowing how to give a good blowjob must have gotten him impatient. Yeah, I guess so. Um, but anyway, good night, and that bitch. 